definitely they didn't, and that was definitely a problem. They went as they went, you know, as they were going. They wrote them as they went. Yeah, there. It really shows that, uh, especially with the Rise of Skywalker, it feels like two, maybe three different scripts have been mashed into one. Mm-hmm. That maybe Abrams was going to come back for a later iteration to be able to sort of wrap up no. some of his storylines. But... He wasn't supposed to come back at all. Well, then there was there was some sort of a major course correction that they did in between. They did. Last Colin, Jedi. Trevorrow, Colin Trevorrow's movie yeah. that he made right before Rise of Skywalker Which sucked. would have been called... I don't know if it sucked. I think, I mean, it wouldn't have been at as good as... At the box office, it sucked. <laughs> Oh, you mean the not his Star Wars movie? No, well, the movie Colin Trevorrow made right before Star Wars. Was so that like, Fallen no, Kingdom? No, it, the, he made a movie between that and Star Wars. What was it? Was like, it was like a drama movie. I can't remember Looking exactly it what it was. But it bombed <laughs> horribly. <laughs> and it bombed so bad that Disney was like, nope, can't have him do our Star Wars movie. That's supposed to make a billion dollars. It also... This is also happening during the um, the it's two like guys something. The two guys who made uh, the Lego movie were supposed to direct um, Book of Henry solo. Yeah, Book of Henry. That's the one. That's the movie Colin Trevorrow did, and it bombed horribly. Actually, it doesn't have a bad score. It's six point six. Not a great score. No, but it didn't but make any I, money. I, I don't know if the, yeah. like I don't know anything about the movie itself. I don't. I'm not saying that the movie sucked. I mean, like it's box office. Yeah, yeah. So not the kind of movie you'd expect to make a ton of movie money. Here's the the synopsis. With instructions from her genius son's carefully crafted notebook, a single mother sets out to rescue a young girl from the hands of her abusive stepfather. Yep. I don't see that making money no matter what the director does but it seemed like it was his passion project mm-hmm. and apparently that bombed so hard that they didn't want him in charge of a multi-million dollar franchise and this was around the same time that lord and miller were screwing up solo mm-hmm. or i didn't hate solo i liked solo well again solo so- wasn't directed by lord and miller solo was directed by ron howard well, because it was directed mostly by Lord and Miller, and then Disney pulled them because of creative differences, because Lord and Miller wanted it to be more comedy-centric in the way that 21 Jump Street and the Lego movies were. But then Disney yeah. was just like, no, we wanted this to be a bit more serious, so they pulled them and brought in Ron Howard, who's a fine director, but not really like not really an amazing director, not really someone with a very specific like style to him. It was mostly just a, you're a competent director who can come in and fix something. We want you to come in and fix this. I don't know I if I agree to that. I don't know if fixed. I agree that Ron Howard isn't a great director. I think he is a great director. Yeah, he is. He's a solid director. He, he didn't no, I think he's a great director. He doesn't really he have a specific it. signature, though, in the way that the, uh, the Lego movie guys do. I disagree with that, but... Oh, let uh, me just read to you some of the movies he's directed. Yeah, didn't he? Beautiful Apollo Mind, 13? Apollo Thirteen. Yeah, Apollo Thirteen is great. Yeah, yeah. and so is the Beautiful Mind, and yeah. uh, Ross Nixon is great. Um, oh yeah, the Da Vinci really Code. Great. Here's the thing about yeah. the Da Vinci Code. It's so much better than the book. Mm-hmm. The book is a hot piece of garbage, yeah. and the, the Da Vinci Code movie, great cinematography, great acting, great directing, great music. And uh, admittedly, a shitty, shitty story, but that wasn't Ron Howard's fault. No. Freaking Angels and Demons was amazing. He didn't direct that one, but the movie's... No, yeah, he did. He did oh, direct he did? that one. Nice. Yeah. That movie... Oh, I read- fucking shit. He's, he's a direct Steve's adaptation. Oh, that's going to be so good. Steve's Wait, adaptation? Seven Eves. It's a, a book by Neil Stevenson. The opening line is, the moon blew up for no apparent reason and with no warning. And then the rest of the 900-page novel is uh, super high-tech sci-fi stuff about people trying to survive moon meteors crashing into the Earth and killing every everybody on the Earth. So, spoiler alert, um, that's the end of Umbrella Season 1, Umbrella Academy Season 1. Like Umbrella- Seven Eves? No, the Umbrella Academy oh, no. Season 1 ends with the moon blowing up and meteors crashing onto Earth. Weird. Yeah, they definitely stole that, that from Neil Stevenson. But there was a reason. <laughs> yeah. Neil Stevenson said there's no reason. <laughs> he, just, does, he said for no apparent reason. There's clearly a reason. Yeah. And there are ideas like given throughout the book. 
I'd like it if there were no reason. <laughs> Just the moon spontaneously exploded for no reason. So I've been recording for five minutes. Are we ready to go? Yeah, we are. Also, hey, well, listeners, you should read the book Seven Eves, written by Neil Stevenson. It's pretty good. Also, you should also watch the Batman trailer by Matt Reeves. Yeah, that's I'm, also I'm I'm not a hundred percent on the new Batman trailer just because we've had so many versions of Batman. I kind of want to yeah see someone do something else. Well, I mean, I'm gonna definitely going to watch it. You're going to see John uh, James Gunn do Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah that's so. looking good too. That that should be very interesting. James Gunn was very made basically two of the best Marvel films. And then you're going to see Patty Jenkins do another Wonder Woman. Is that Wonder Woman 84? 1984, yeah. yeah. Which looks I'm good. super excited for that, yeah. Yeah, me too. Hans Zimmer released a track from it uh, yesterday. Yeah, you were Sounds talking pretty about darn that. good. Yeah. yeah, but we weren't recording. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, uh, what else? Oh, oh, yeah, and then The Rock. He's got the Black Adam movie. Oh, yeah. 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 It's actually going to happen now. Mm-hmm. You guys see the trailer for the Suicide Squad game? Yeah, I did. No, I saw I saw everything. I I, I basically sat in front of my computer all day yesterday and watched DC fandom. <laughs> I, I, I even seen it this morning. I even saw I even saw basically uh, Kevin Conroy and Will Friedle basically uh, do a watch along commentary of old Adam West Batman TV series, <laughs> but they did it in character as old Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis from Batman Beyond watching old Batman like as if it were like Batman from an alternate universe mm-hmm. and they're like what the hell is wrong with this guy is that a mustache <laughs> and Kevin Conroy like <laughs> fixated on Cesar Romero's mustache that he's covered with his face makeup and he's like it's mesmerizing <laughs> but only in a voice that Kevin Conroy can possibly affect yeah. it's amazing you have to see it. It's hilarious. It's probably the most hilarious thing I've heard in a week. Mm. Except for this. What's up, listeners? You're catching yet another episode of the JCU Podcast. I'm your host, Sean. You're tuning into the podcast where me and the JCU crew get together to just catch up. Each and every episode, we will bring a topic of discussion, which we will dive into head first for you, our faithful listeners. You can catch us on what iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Listen Notes, RSS feed by searching for the JCU Podcast. Also on Twitter at JCU Podcast 1. Uh, we are also branching into game streaming. You can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash JCU Network. And you can also find us at JCU Network on YouTube as well. So do all the chosen platform things like share, follow, subscribe, so ring the bell so you don't miss a new episode. And now it's time for the JCU Roll Call. Uh, first, did you know that when he was born, his parents were so disgusted by his horrifying features that they threw him off the side of a mountain, but he survived just to be here today. It's Ian! <laughs> rude. Hi! That's incredibly rude. <laughs> I Oh, I had a show-and-tell thing, but I can't find it. All right, never mind. And uh, they'll never tell you now. You're so rude. It was my Well, it was my old ID from high school, which I thought was funny. <laughs> Well, that would have actually been appropriate considering my my intro. Anyway, did you know that this guy is not here today, but ever since the late 1800s, doctors have prescribed sexual intercourse with him as a cure for hysteria in single mothers at PTA meetings. It's Jim. But he's not here. No, he's he's absent because he's having to prepare for the semester because he's a teacher and there is a lot to prepare for this semester because, you know. Especially this semester. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the sex at the PTA meetings. That's the point. (laughs) How do you do do that social distancingly? There's a dog. No, that's a cat. That's a cat. (laughs) Yeah, learn your animals, Ian. (laughs) It looks like a dog. Did you know that as a composer, he's appeared, he's appeared on the cover of Time magazine zero times. It's Nathan. Accurate. Who, who still reads magazines? People. Boomers. And last but not least, did you know that this guy was the reason for the creation of the term OG? It's Caleb. Stands for, OG stands for Caleb. O, G, your little hyphen, Caleb. Yeah, it's like Prince, but, you know, with actual letters. And did you know... That I am the revolution that will not be televised, but still brought to you by the power of the internet. Coming at you from my seat of power in the belly of the beast, known as our nation's capital, the alternative president of the United Nerds of America. It's me, I'm Sean. 
All right, so let's jump into today's topic. Ready for the deepest of the darkest depths of history. Mm. This episode covers our favorite outrageous, hilarious, horrible, and or most epic stories from throughout history. And that's pretty much it. We're going we're just going to talk about cool stories from history today. Yeah. Mm. Everybody's brought a cool story, so we're just going to go over those. So who wants to go first? All right, you know what? We're going to play Ian. We're going to play rock paper scissors. No, Everybody okay. get ready. Okay. It's like when one, two, three, shoot. Okay. And then we'll do the yeah. thing. Ready? All right. One, two, three, shoot. All right. So I threw up scissors. Caleb threw up scissors. So we scissors, but play. Ian, who did paper? <laughs> Ian did paper. So Ian, you lose. You go first. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> All right. So what would, what would you prefer, everyone? Would you prefer the, 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 Cool story that about because I've got two stories here for you today. The cool the story, one. okay? Yeah, we'll do the Give creepy one. He said the creepy one. Fine. We don't want to hear. We don't want to hear the cool story. We want to hear the creepy one. All right. Like the so, has anyone? The audience it creepy. I don't. <laughs> okay. So has anyone ever heard of the story of Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon? Lisa, Lisa Ann Froon. Nope. Okay. So they are. In April of 2014, Chris Kremers and Lisa Ann Froon were two uh, Dutch students who were hiking in Panama in April of 2014. Okay. Um, they basically had gone on a uh, on a hike, uh, and they had taken a dog with them uh, that belonged to the owners of a restaurant near uh, near the place where they were. Uh, where they were visiting. On April 1st, around 11 a.m., uh, they took the dog and went for a hike. Later that day, the dog returned without the young women. This is April 1st, 2014, in Panama. Uh, the owners of the restaurant were alarmed. It's like, oh, the dog came back, but the ladies aren't here. We don't know what happened. And uh, they had been texting their parents constantly, and messages stopped appearing. So... On the morning of April 2nd, uh, Froon and Kremers missed an appointment with a local guide. And everyone's just like, okay, where are these two ladies? On April 3rd, authorities began aerial searches of the forest and local residents began searching for the two young women. They're just like, we don't know where they are. We don't know what happened. Then on April 6th, their parents came to Panama with police dog units, detectives from the Netherlands to conduct a full-scale search of the forest for 10 days Nothing happened. Like, they, they couldn't find these two women. The two women went missing. And so you're like, okay, this is just a regular missing story. Well, then things get really freaking scary. Like, creepy to the extent where you're just like, oh, oh, what in the hell is going on? So, ten weeks later, a local woman found Froon's blue backpack, which she had found in a rice paddy by a riverbank near her village of Alto Romero near the Bocas del Toro region. She okay. was, she's like, it wasn't there before. The backpack contained the following. Two pairs of sunglasses, $83 in United States bills, Froon's passport, a water bottle, her camera, two bras, and the women's phones, all packed, dry, and in good condition. Hmm. This was ten weeks later. The phone showed that some hours after the start of their hike, someone had called 112, which is the international emergency number, and 911, which is the emergency number in Panama. Not only that, it seems 77 emergency call attempts were made between uh, via the iPhone. Right. Not only that, the camera, which they had found... Uh, contained several photos of the two women hiking and then some nice scenery and then tons of photos apparently 90 flash photos were taken between 1 a.m and 4 a.m apparently really deep in the jungle in near complete darkness and i've seen these photos every single one of them darkness complete like you can tell that a light had just been shown but there's nothing except one shot of the back of someone's head Kind of hard to tell because it's super close. It either is just the shot of the, of the back of someone's head or a bleeding head. And it's really hard to tell from the photo. 
So not only that, they there are several call attempts like throughout the first of April. Let's see. There were several. There were a bunch of call attempts between the first of April and fifth of April, and then several attempts to log in to the pin on to the log into the phone via pin number on the sixth and the eleventh, with no further activity after that. So that's kind of creepy. That oh, they found uh, their backpack with a bunch of stuff, and it looks like it was neatly folded and put it away. This was ten weeks after they had gone missing. Not only that. The, back, the discovery of the backpack led to new searches. They found Kremer's jean shorts, zipped and neatly folded, were atop of a rock on the opposite bank a few kilometers away from where the backpack was discovered. Two months later, a pelvic bone was found and a boot with a foot inside. Ooh, after find, after ugh, it's it gets worse, it gets worse. After that... 33 bone fragments were discovered along the same riverbank, DNA confirming that they belonged to Froon and Kremers. Not only that, they'd been bleached. So no, wait, the bones had been bleached? Yes. No, no skin, no muscle, no nothing else. Bone fragments. A forensic anthropologist later claimed that under magnification, there were no discernible signs of scratches or like gnawing or teeth or anything like that there are no marks on the bones at all it looks like they've just been snapped and then cleared of any kind of dna material and that was the last that we had heard of that that somehow after they had gone missing several days of searches couldn't find anything 10 weeks later they found the backpack with a bunch of stuff and camera which took a bunch of photos of near pitch black darkness and possibly the back of one of the girl's heads, we're not sure. And then two months later, bone fragments strewn all throughout the river that were completely bleached. And nobody knows what happens. What happened? Like, they, teams were sent to investigate inside the jungle, couldn't find anything. All they found was that. Is that not the freakiest shit you've ever heard? <laughs> That's like weird. Yeah. That's crazy weird. Like, you, you'd think, like, this is, you'd think that Panama, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've never been to Panama. I don't know what, like, what their government is like down there, what the people are like down there. But this entire story, you just go, what the hell happened? And why, and why did it take 10 weeks for the backpack to be found? Like it was put there by someone. And then two months after that, bone fragments were found. What the hell happened? And what is it? What is the point of bleaching bones? I don't know. Like they, they didn't even find they didn't find skin fragments, they didn't find muscle fragments or anything else, just bone fragments. Nothing else. And they found one of their feet, right? Was it just yeah. the bones of the feet? Uh it all it all it says was they had found a uh let's see. A pelvis uh, uh, and a and a boot with a foot inside. Specifically that's what it says. Weird man. Why did my oh that's weird. My thing showed up. Yeah, Sean's sharing a screen. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it, that's so that's yeah, that's the story I haven't it, the more I read about it, the more it scares There's me. The, it completely yeah. frightens me because it's like, oh god. Oh, don't show the photos. Don't don't show the photos. Like, <laughs> I was going to show the photos. <laughs> no. I'm like so I'm like no cuz I'm like like freaking out cuz I'm like what the hell like this is weird. Like I've seen, I've seen a lot of the photos, and a lot of them, you're just like, okay, these kind of seem innocuous. They don't really seem that scary. But like, I also wouldn't one. show the photos. Like the only one that seems particularly frightening is there's one photo the of the back of the women's head, and you can't tell because it's really close up. So the, so you can't tell if it's like, okay, is it overexposed because a camera light just went off? Or is some or has someone been injured? Like there's tons of theories online about it. This. Looks, yeah, it looked like she like hit the back of her head, maybe. Maybe or but, something hit her head, and then she, the other one was trying to like take a picture of it to see what it looked like. Yeah, they, that's kind of what it reminds right. me of. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. in in that Google image search, they were showing like Polaroid photos, but it wasn't a Polaroid, right? It was like a digital camera. It, it, I believe it was. It says, uh, let's see. Yeah, it would have had to have been a digital camera. Contained because they just found the camera. Yeah, it, it's it specifically it just says a camera. It doesn't say anything. Yeah, else. or like a or like okay. it wasn't like a Polaroid camera. Yeah, that was just creative license by whoever posted that but yeah Yeah. there was there like they found the phones the phones like there were 77 emergency call attempts with the iphone 
And on the 11th, the phone was turned on briefly at 10.51 and then turned on again at 11.56. But by who? Who, like, who was in the middle of the Panama jungle? Like, what was what was going on there? This is they, just... Like, that's the that's a picture of, like, the stuff they found. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, the phone, like, the bag with, like, the phone, like, glasses in it and the mm-hmm. bras and then, like, the phone's over here or something. Man, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. That I, is creepy as frack, man. Yeah, no, like, I, I read oh, that. I read that and that made me... That's like, two of them. Like, yeah. Yeah, they found, like, pictures of them, like, just hanging out and shit. Mm-hmm. And there's I, the photo of their shoe with the foot in it but they don't show the foot they just show the shoe yeah i had seen like a a lot of the photos that had been taken with the camera seemed pretty innocuous it's like oh there's the ladies okay there's some foliage and then just a bunch of photos of pure darkness and possibly one of the back of her head like you look at all these and you just think uh, nothing about it strikes me as scary but just the idea that it's the middle of the jungle that you can't see anything, that there's no one nearby, and that they weren't even able to, like, crawl out, find help. They, they were stuck in the middle yeah. of there, in the middle of the Panama jungle, and it's just... They tried, what? They tried to call for yeah. help, but probably couldn't get a signal. Yeah, 77 attempts were made, and not a single one went through. It's just, yeah, that, that entire story wigged me out, and it's like, oh, God, that's terrifying. Just But that, my thing is, like... <laughs> my thing is, like, okay, clearly they just got lost in the jungle, and apparently, like, maybe just got injured and just couldn't make it out and probably died. Yes. So my thing is, and then maybe, like, some animal probably got to him. Maybe. I figure, like, I figure that's why well, pieces, I figure that's why you find pieces of them. My thing is. Yeah, but how were the. Being bleached. I don't know. That's not something that animals do other than right. human. Right. So Unless, I'm like. Is there some sort of snake that, like, spits bleach venom? I, I think we're what? discounting the fact that. There may have been a human influence in this. Well, see, no, that's I, I don't think I'm discounting it. I think I'm saying that it had to have been that. Yes. Well, my I like my theory is they got lost in the jungle. Mm-hmm. They probably got injured. Mm-hmm. They or they couldn't make it out. They probably starved to death. Then some animals probably got to their corpse. But then after the which point, somebody probably found animals going into their corpse. Like probably like you know oh there's some animals digging into something over there. And then, like, found the bodies, and then and decided to bleach them. Yeah, like because That's... they're freaking nuts. You know what I mean? It's like crazy people living in the jungle. Mm-hmm. These people are clearly not, you know, With ample supplies of bleach. I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and, and not only that, someone attempted to open the iPhone on April 11th, which was ten days after they had been, uh, after they had. Yeah, gone missing. But not only that, where did the backpack come from? And all of the items in the backpack were neatly folded, put in there. They were dry. They weren't like they weren't waterlogged or anything. And you're just like, so what happened? Did someone find these and just decide to like? It shows up ten weeks later on this rice patch in the middle of nowhere, and this lady's like, found this backpack, sent it into the authorities. The authorities were like, well, this is weird. And what, did anybody question that lady? You know what I mean? It's like, my, okay, again, here's 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 the theory that I'm 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 going with. Uh-huh. I'm, okay, I'm going with the theory that they got lost in the jungle, they got injured, they couldn't make it out, they starved to death, or died of thirst, or whatever, ran out of water, or whatever. Somebody finds the back. Somebody finds their belongings, mm-hmm. or finds their body, or whatever. Some some creepers always finds their belongings, and it's just like, oh, I found some stuff in the jungle. I'm gonna keep it. Then finds out that people are looking for them and so it's like oh crap let me uh put all this stuff that i found that i was going to keep in this backpack and then leave it somewhere mm-hmm. you know what i mean like oh if i keep it i'm gonna get caught so i better not keep it because mm-hmm. you figure people are looking for them and i think we lost nathan's bike nathan did we lose your audio no never mind no, he got there. it came back anyway yeah that's creepy hmm? so yeah that's that's my first story my second one's more of a fun one but we can come back to that later all right, who wants to go next? Caleb, do you want to go or should yeah, I go? I'll, go? I'll go ahead and go. All right. Um, I found the story like on Facebook just like the other day, mm-hmm. and it's about Marv Haymeyer, who is, I guess, infamous, infam- infamously known as the Killdozer guy. And Ooh, I'm not so familiar. back in 2004, back in 2004, this guy went on a rampage. He sealed himself 
and metal on his bulldozer and went on a rampage around his town of Granby, Colorado. And he destroyed a concrete plant. He destroyed all kinds of houses and other businesses. And um, people were painting this as a kind of a heroic thing because apparently a concrete plant was building their base of operations next to his muffler um, shop. And they blocked an access road to his shop. And when, when the city didn't want to build a new access road for a shop, he he said that they'll pay and he went on with this rampage but that's not actually the case um doing some digging and found like a a, it's also a documentary on netflix now i just found out but back in 92 uh marv haymeyer he bought a piece of land on auction for about forty two thousand dollars, and he built his muffler shop on it and he's he's painted by his peers as a as a hard-working guy and he really loved to weld and but his land didn't have sewer hookups to the city's sewer system and he wanted to get that done and so the city said you can definitely do that but for zoning costs and making the holes and and putting the hookups in would cost about twice as much as he paid for the property and as an alternative they offered to put in a septic tank and have a contractor take the sewage from the septic tank right uh, right every something like that but he didn't like that he didn't like that idea he thought the city should pay for his sewer hookups and he said that all the zoning stuff was a monopoly for uh the excavation company that was local Mm -hmm. and right right so after that he decided to he got he made his own septic tank and whenever when it got filled he started dumping it in the city's irrigation <laughs> oh dude come and, on yeah yeah he started dumping it in the city's irrigation and he got fined for that hmm. and then after that he tried to put hookups and dig a hole into his neighbor's uh irrigation um not irrigation like, but the sewage? The sewer. yeah okay the sewer. so basically he tried to connect he, his septic tank to the neighbor's sewer yeah, yeah he got caught doing that and Ultimately, the, the uh, concrete company that he had bought basically had the auction from, um, they asked to buy the land. And he said he offered or he asked for $250,000. Okay. And they said, okay, we'll give you that. But then he upped the ante. He uh, asked for about $375,000. Yeah, greedy. Yeah. And the greed kept going because they offered him the $375,000. Oh, Jesus. And then. And then he declined that and asked for like 450000 And that's when the concrete company said, all right, we'll build it without you. And after that, he like tried to sue the city. Uh, uh, he tried to defame the concrete company, saying like they were polluting the area. <laughs> the anybody's polluting. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And by the way, when he was dumping the, his sewage into irrigation, like that was affecting like the farms and all kinds of stuff around the area. So he was really like screwing up the city. And then after all of that, um, the concrete company made him a last offer of $400,000 and he took it. And then they allowed him to stay on the premises as lease as he finished up his work. And by finishing up his work, he was making his impenetrable bulldozer. Wow. And, and like the snippet from the trailer had like for the Netflix documentary had like a um a tape. Like he actually made like a sort of manifesto, like last words where like he kinda seems like he was a very delusional guy that thought everybody was against him. Because Clearly. he was he basically said in the tape, like, they're gonna pay and God wants me to make them pay. And he just they were willing to pay yeah. $375,000. $400,000. Yeah, they even stopped at four hundred. <laughs> they were going to pay you $400,000, you idiot. And so he he out and he even outfitted this bulldozer to like he had like six guns on each side. Yeah, I got pictures of it up on the thing. Yeah. And he, had, he just he even had guns in this destroyed thing. the whole city. And he was like, he, he tried to shoot propane tanks. He busted out of his own shop and 
completely destroyed the concrete plant and yeah. police station, postal service. Yeah, see, he had like guns mounted in this sucker. What in the hell? I don't know how long this took, but he ended up getting like stuck in between two buildings, and then this heroic guy like took his own like tractor trailer thing and and boxed him in to where he couldn't get out and when the police tried to get in that's when he took his own life a lot of these guys always but... kill themselves that's so frustrating <laughs> what are you gonna do after that though i mean yeah i mean they they basically well, just want to try and avoid responsibility they're like oh yeah. i've gone too far well there's only one we, way out of this no we need you to stay alive so you can answer questions about what the f- this thing is yeah it's no, like what were you thinking uh, it's like we need to we need to we we need to to question you thoroughly and then after yeah. you're dead we need to be able to dissect your brain for science because this thing you see this thing you see this, this is weird crazy monstrosity yeah. i don't know this man. is this this is this is like straight out of like <laughs> the mind of a psycho this is like some leonardo da vinci looking like contraption <laughs> shit leonardo da vinci <laughs> Yeah, you ever see those weird contraptions that Leonardo da Vinci designed? Like the, the helicopter? Like the, yeah, like the helicopter and like the turtle tank. <laughs> like this is I've what I've seen that the helicopter, I haven't seen the turtle tank. Yeah, what? it's like a tank that looks like a turtle. It's like it looks like just like a roundish kind of like turtle looking thing with cannons coming out of it. <laughs> and it's real low to the ground. It's like but this that's what this crap reminds me of. It reminds me of the freaking turtle tank. So is this episode just like weird things that have happened? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm totally cool with it. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I've got the I've got hey. the missing women under weird circumstances. You've got the kill dozer that's like an impenetrable well, tank. It's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna name him Tank Man now because <laughs> this is this is pre Batman Begins and. Dude, dude, Killdozer's perfect. <laughs> Killdozer would be like the greatest Batman villain ever. <laughs> it's like what, what, what is what? Or the worst? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he has a basic Batman villain premise. So yeah, yeah he's awesome. like he's pissed off because of society, because we live in a society. <laughs> he's pissed off because we live in a society, and he's gonna take it out on said society. He he does kind of act like a supervillain, doesn't he? He's just like, by the way, I want this much money. Okay, we'll give you this much money. No, I want more. Okay, money. we'll do more. No, I want one more. million okay. dollars. And you know what? If Coleman Reese isn't dead in the next thirty minutes, I'm gonna blow up a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> the hell! This guy's nuts. Think I'm gonna risk the fight for Gotham's soul? <laughs> fight with you, Batman? <laughs> Nay, I say. <laughs> Gotta come up with this guy's catchphrase. <laughs> it's like Mister Freeze has like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who's gonna play this guy in the in the in the crappy um, uh, Joel Schumacher Batman version <laughs> of Killdozer? <laughs> Joel Schumacher passed away. It's not nice to talk about people like that. I don't know. Well, you, no, but I'm, well, we're I'm not we're not talking good. about him bad. No. We're talking about no. him good. We want to know who would have played Killdozer in the Joel Schumacher version of Batman movie that's starring Killdozer as the villain. What a name, Killdozer. I say I say Killdozer would have been played by um, Paul Giamatti. Ah, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is now. Here's the question: Is it better or worse than a movie about a sentient tire? That kills people through telekinesis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember rubber. We all remember rubber. <laughs> I, Rub- I got the DVD right here. <laughs> My thing is, is that even like? Yeah, I, I don't want to go into that. That's that's gonna take too. It's gonna take way too long for Fair me enough. to go into my, my, thought, my thoughts on rubber. It, it, anyway, who's going next? I'll go next. Um, go I'm going to share my screen. Ian, is this going up on YouTube? Yes. Okay, so what I share is going to be seen. Um, I, I want to set the... It doesn't have to. I, Go ahead. I, like, it, it's entirely I, optional. I'd like it to be. Okay. Um, okay. So I'd like to set, you know, give you the setting. So, see if... Yeah. The year... Ah, it's 17, an eyeball. 1761. <laughs> and is that Benjamin Franklin? Yeah. Benjamin Franklin is what this uh, story is about. In 1761... Okay. 
this was obviously a good decade, decade and a half before the American Revolution. Um, so at the time, uh, United States and Great Britain were on fairly good terms as one of them owned the other, at least better terms than they would later be, right? Sure. Um, so our story starts in Cambridge, University of Cambridge, 1761. Um, at the time, it was very popular for uh, like party tricks or entertainment to be done by a person with a number of wine glasses that they fill with water it and they go and they play it and benjamin franklin being the entrepreneurial spirit that he is was like you know that's a really cool sound but one thing about that is it's super hard to tune it because really what you have to do to tune it is pour some water into wine glass say the note right try to determine is that we want and if it, it is done if not you have to pour her out and then you pour out too much, and they have to pour some new water in, and uh, pour too much in, and then pour a little bit out, and eventually you get to the C sharp you wanted. <laughs> um, and he he was like, "Well, I could do something a lot better than this. Um, I'm going to, you know, contract the, uh, you know, I'm going to make a contract with the best glass uh, blower in London, and we're going to just make." all of these to be the right note without having to put water in them at all, right? And so what he does is he creates this thing called glass harmonica. This is roughly what it looks like. Huh. It is just basically a row of them. And and I don't know how easy it is to see this, but that is not one piece of glass. That is yeah, many, 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 many pieces of glass. Yeah, stacked on top um, of each other. And, yeah, and then you have this this wheel that rotates and right. they all rotate so you don't have to rotate your fingers you just put your fingers on them uh, you get some water on the fingers my cat, my cat yeah. wants attention um and then it does all the rotation for you well Sweet. he made tons and tons and tons of these i think they said there were like five thousand of them built by the time he died and i assume that was a lot for 1700s you know america which is where he brought it back to um and so this instrument took off and it was super popular um and i think it's in the nutcracker suite they have a uh, glass harmonica um and it sounds basically like you'd imagine now here's real where, where the real kicker gets where you'll get the real kicker um when the pe musicians who played them would play them for long enough it would almost inevitably start going crazy right like they would get weird ass like they would have nervousness and weird tics and dizziness and they would eventually go mad basically and not be able to play anymore or do anything else right. and there were a lot of theories as to what was going on and this is obviously pre-germ theory of disease right um so uh. one theory was that the the glass the, the vibrations of the glasses um disrupted the humors in your body and um when you play certain notes and they kept trying to figure out what note it was, nobody could ever pinpoint the note that did it, um, that it would like mess up your in insides and you would go crazy. Another theory, I think, was that it would like awaken ghosts or spirits and the spirits would get angry. Now, I've got me. <laughs> yeah. Now, a couple hundred years later, like at the, so, and that kind of killed the um, the craze yeah. of the glass <laughs> harmonica. People stopped playing it, and they're like, Benjamin Franklin, you uh, crazy son of a bitch! I don't want to go crazy because I'm playing your thing. I'll just play with the wine glasses, right? Now, if you look at that again, do you notice that it's not just glass? There's kind of a, a metal. Yeah, it's probably lead in it. So, so. A, couple hundred years later they kind of took a look at some of these old glass harmonicas and it turns out the reason why people were going crazy is they were made out of what's called lead glass i guess is like glass yeah. with lead embedded in it yep. and and people would get lead poisoning lead poisoning, lead yep. poisoning. Oh. and so in the 20th century they started making them out of just glass and it didn't make people go crazy anymore uh -huh. um well there right. you go yeah, there you go. That that makes sense. <laughs> Want to hear a glass harmonica? I, I guess. Yeah. All right, I'm going to share Wait, screen. Wait, the stream has ended. Share. I know. I have to set it for audio. There we go. He's going to share a new stream. You guys hearing it? Yeah, we can hear it. No, I can't. Can you hear it, Sean? No. I can hear it. All right. Did you click the stream, Ian? I'm on the stream. Can't hear it. Oh, maybe. 
YouTube is not currently hearing it. Uh, maybe it's because you're sharing it from, uh, it might be, hold on, let me see. I could probably share it. Okay, this is the hold first on. video that shows that. Why is it like another, like, with, like, the ghost and, like, the craziness point of view? It's mm -hmm. another Batman yeah. villain. <laughs> <laughs> He's been a class harmonica to make people go crazy. Well, he didn't do it intentionally. They didn't realize back no. in the 1700s what lead poisoning was. <laughs> oh, right, my let's God. See you hear it? Here we go. <laughs> Voila. Yeah. So yeah, see, they got to dip your fingers in the... Maybe they still made out of metal, because that looks like metal, but I also think this guy's probably aware of lead poisoning. Maybe make yeah. it out of zinc or something. Yeah, they probably, it's, I don't, like, it's probably some different kind of metal, probably. Because I, I can't imagine Just that down. he would make a career out of. <laughs> I could see people back then, like, licking their fingers to play it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. That is insane. That's really cool. Though the weirdest thing about it is Benjamin Frank Franklin played it himself and he lived another he died in seventeen ninety one and this was in seventeen sixty one. It's another thirty years and yeah. he never got lead poisoning. He must not have played it that often then. Or he's he was immune to lead poisoning for some reason. Well, I mean he did get struck by lightning that one time. So maybe he had superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> but then why did he die? Well, you know, even superheroes die, and Superman died, yeah. you know. Whoa, spoilers. Well, I mean, Superman's died, like, 18 different times. Yeah, I was about to say, that that's not, like, Superman died. Oh, no, what yeah, happened? Like, well, he died a lot. Yeah. Like, there's several Superman times. Died like, a, like a punk. <laughs> Remember that time he uh, got in the fist fight with that giant troll? Yeah. Talking about Batman v Superman. Yeah. <laughs> it's a giant troll. He fights it in the middle of that uh, apocalyptic city yeah, explosion place. Yeah, it's some giant incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah, it's the Incredible Hulk. I don't know. It's some giant troll who wants to know if he bleeds or not. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a, like it was like a day of doom or something, like a doom day or whatever it was called. Apocalypse. That's what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> All right, which you guys hear about the asteroid that's going to hit the Earth uh, the day before Election Day? Yeah, I did. Oh, it can't. Giant asteroid. Can't be real. 6.5 feet in diameter, and there is a 0.41% chance it will hit the Earth on yeah. November 2nd. Yeah, it's legit. It's totally legit. So it's less than a 1% chance. In fact, it's less yeah. than half percent chance. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sean, and when I say going to hit the Earth, it's going to hit the Earth. Yeah, it's definitely going to hit. And it's 2020, Ian. A 0.41% chance of something happening means that's going to happen. Yep. No. So, Sean, what story do you have? All right. I guess it's my turn. So I'm going to do a story from uh, a time long ago mm. in a land far, far away mm. that no one's ever heard of. A land called France. Can you imagine the language that they would speak there? It must be some weird crazy sounding language that you know they own that's only spoken by uh villains in weird matrix sequel movies Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah like that that weird stuff like can you imagine anyway my my uh, my story is about a, a woman uh by the name of julie de Aubney, mm -hmm. uh, uh who is quite possibly the coolest most badass woman in the history of france or Possibly anywhere. Uh, she was also known as Mademoiselle de Maupin, or simply La Maupin. Or I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but who cares? Anyway, she was born approximately 1673, so this is the time frame we're talking about. And her father was named... Okay, well, I'll just have you guess. What, what would you imagine her father would be named? Pierre. Just the most... The, the coolest... Napoleon. French, no, the what, what what is the name of the the best French guy who no one in the history of France is like. Pepe Le Pew. No, one, no one's like him. No one does anything like this guy does it. No one eats chickens like him. No one uh, eats eggs. No one eats two dozen eggs like him. Oh, no, one, um, no one shoots like him. No one hunts like him. Jean-Paul. Oh, God. Come on, now. There's a Disney movie. 
It's Gaston. Her dad's name is Gaston. Oh, right. Jacques. Oh. <laughs> Jacques. My bad. No, not... not no. His, his name was not Jacques. His name is Gaston. Anyway, proving that no one fathers children like Gaston. Anyway, uh, he taught her to... <laughs> Because <laughs> he taught her in a sword fight uh, when she was just a child, probably around the age of seven. He started teaching her to sword fight with the pages of King Louis the Fourteenth. So by the time she was fourteen, uh, she was basically hooking up with her dad's boss, like you do. She was like you know biblically, <laughs> like you do. And she got married shortly after that to a noble, who basically got sent away by the guy that she was hooking up with, her dad's boss, uh, like literally the morning after their wedding. <laughs> like you do. So after that, she got tired of that guy <laughs> and she got tired of her absentee husband. So she became involved with a fencing instructor named Serranis. <laughs> and this guy basically got in trouble for illegal dueling all over Paris. <laughs> so eventually what he had to do is he had to go on the run. So she ran off with him. And basically just ran off to a town called Marseille. On the way there, the pair of them basically made money by dueling people on the road and singing in taverns which and local fairs, which she was apparently really good at. She was really good at singing. That's where she found out how good she was at singing. Uh, so, But while traveling, she would, dress as a, she would dress as a man to hide the fact... Or she didn't hide the fact that she was a woman, but she would still dress as a man. Uh, so because of this, during one duel, her opponent refused to actually believe that she was a woman... Because she was too good at dueling. So, basically, she just shamelessly stripped in front of the entire audience that was in attendance. That that guy knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> he knew exactly what he was doing. So, apparently, she was so hot that the entire crowd completely fell silent. <laughs> <laughs> what year was this? This is 16... This is... Well, she was born in 1673, so this is a bit about... She was probably about 15 by this time. 15 or 16 or all these things. Yeah. It's the late 1600s. They they didn't know better. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know better. Nah. She was already married by this point, so, you know. Anyway, she was considered an adult, so, you know, France. Anyway. Uh, 1600s France. Yeah, yeah. So in Marseille, basically, she eventually dumped the the sword instructor guy that she ran off with mm-hmm. uh, as soon as they got to Marseille and she started singing in the opera uh, where she was apparently so good at singing in the opera that she caught the attention of a young noble woman who madly who fell madly in love with her <laughs> so the France, feeling was yeah. clear, the feeling was clearly mutual because the girl's parents out of fear that they wouldn't be able to stop this bisexual sword fighting siren from kicking their butts <laughs> and stealing away with their daughter <laughs> <laughs> they had her daughter sent off to a convent three days rides away. So Julie, however, refused to be deterred. <laughs> and so invoking the spirit of Super Mario with a little Assassin's Creed mixed in, she snuck into the convent dressed as a postulate, which is basically an intern priest, and played the waiting game while she waited to rescue her princess. So nobody knows how long she spent there, but however long it was, it clearly pissed her off something fierce. Because one night... After an elderly nun had died, apparently no word on whether or not she was actually involved with said nun's death. But considering what happened next, I wouldn't be surprised. Julie took the body of the dead nun, put it in her lover's room as a decoy, grabbed the girl, and escaped the convent. But not before setting the convent on fire. What the hell's <laughs> happening in France in the 1690s? Jesus. Lots of awesome stuff. <laughs> so they would... So the two of them went on the run for three months before Julie got tired of her, <laughs> and they were oh. Julie was at, at which point after she, all of that, only three yeah. months. Yeah. So at which point Dang Julie God. found out that she was wanted uh, by the courts and she had been sentenced to death in absentia for her crimes. <laughs> so she returned the girl to her family and continued her wanderings throughout the countryside, basically telling the family that next time you want to hide something from me, you better work a little bit harder at it. <laughs> what? Who? I Wow. This this yes. needs to be made into a movie or something. Oh, Why it's not done yet. Okay. <laughs> that's, just oh, the, that's just the beginning. <laughs> so basically... 
while she was uh, still uh, wandering through the countryside, she met another nobleman named Comte Albert. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I don't care. She, he challenged her to a duel. She won, beating him soundly. She beat him so bad that she felt guilty, so she nursed him back to health, at which point he fell in love with her. It's unclear on whether the feeling was mutual, but apparently they kept an on-and-off relationship. <laughs> so she went back to Paris took on two other lovers then seduced one of her former lovers like the guy who was her father's boss to go to par- to go to the king and basically beg for the king to pardon her for her crimes so then in the meantime while she was waiting on that to happen she joined the opera in paris so she was in plain view of everybody they knew exactly where she was she just joined the opera, which was apparently an incredible achievement to join the Parisian opera. But she was only 17 years old by this point. Oh, my God. This all <laughs> happened, oh, my God, before 17. Yes. So eventually she got a pardon from the king himself, who basically figured correctly that this woman was the most badass person in the entire kingdom of France. <laughs> At which point she picked up the moniker La Maupin, basically, which is just her last name. It's like basically she just... Now she's just known by her last name. Okay. You just say her last name, and everybody knows who exa- exactly who you're talking about. It's like, you know, Tyson, or Jordan, or Madonna, Mopan, <laughs> or The Rock, or whatever. <laughs> His so last name's a- not The Rock. <laughs> yeah, but nobody knows him by any other name other than The Rock. Fair enough. Anyway, she's, she's a one-name she's a one one name person now. She, she's going by one name. Uh, so her opera career in Paris, however, got cut short when she pissed off some dudes at a court ball by making out with some chick on the dance floor. (laughs) After which, she was challenged to a duel by three separate men. Oh, dear. She told each of them to meet her outside, at which point she took on all three of them at once and won. (laughs) But then, because the king had outlawed dueling, she had to go on the run again. So this time she ran to Brussels. Like he did. Now in Brussels. In Brussels, she took on another lover in the form of the Elector of Bavaria, basically the leader of all Bavaria. But but apparently she was too much woman for him because he eventually offered her 40,000 francs to leave him alone. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't want it anymore. Just go. Just I can't handle it. This happened after she she stabbed herself with a real dagger on stage during a play. At which point he's like, "Okay, this chick is too much. I can't handle this. I got to get away from her." So he offered her forty thousand francs, leave him alone. Which she responded by throwing the money back at the emissary, spitting on it, and then just screwing off to Madrid. She didn't take the money. She just threw it back in his face and ran off to Madrid. I mean, I would have taken some of the money and just been like, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah, especially considering what happened next. She probably should have taken the money. Because in Madrid, she started working for a countess. But she hated the countess so much that she pranked her by braiding radishes into her hair in a way that everyone but the countess would be able to see them before the countess went to a grand ball. So basically, she this chick went to a grand ball with radishes braided into her hair that she couldn't see, but everyone else could. Then, she dropped, then Julie drops the mic, basically, on her service to the countess and just dips back to Paris, where she gets pardoned again. <laughs> Basically for the same reason, because it's like, you're so cool. We're just going to pardon <laughs> you again. It's, Your adventures are so crazy. We're just going to pardon you again. Just keep having crazy adventures. It's the turn of the 17th century. We may as well just let anything go at this point. <laughs> now, at this point, she goes back to the opera. So she's uh, singing in the opera. She's basically cool. Everybody loves her at the opera. She defends all the opera girls from all the creepers and would-be rapists. Uh some point the Duchess of Luxembourg pisses her off so much that she threatens to blow her brains out. And then uh, she went Mike Tyson on her best friend's ear. And so she's she's just going crazy, just having crazy adventures and crazy stories. So apparently she met and fell in love with a woman named the Marquis de Florensac, who's said to be the most beautiful woman in all of France, uh, who's known to be so beautiful that she herself had to flee the country on account of obsessed suitors, including the Prince of France himself. So basically, she started, basically the two of them just started dating and 
just pissed off every eligible bachelor in the entirety of France at the time. Uh, and they stayed together for two years until Florensac died of fever. So this chick just has no luck with anybody she hooks up with. Uh, after which, uh, Julie basically just said, screw everything. And she entered a, a convent. You know, the kind of building that she likes to burn down. So she enters a convent and she dies. But get this, she died at the age of 33 years old. <laughs> so all of this that I've told you happened between the time she was 14 at 33. You know who That's else it. died at 33, right? Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> who, like, how did she die? What killed her in the end? I feel like she was a Terminator no at that point. No one knows. No one knows as is appropriate for her. No one knows what killed her. But apparently after she died, they just she just said, just take my body and just throw it on the trash heap. <laughs> so no one knows. So there's no grave. There's no the autopsy. Only reason. <laughs> No well, grave, no autopsy, no nothing. The only reason anybody knows is because she was super famous in the opera because she was such a good singer and obviously because of the trail of corpses and burnt uh, <laughs> convents that she left in her wake. <laughs> Dear God. I feel like maybe like the... Like she sold her dealt, she sold her soul to the devil like twice. Like she no, 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 no. She didn't sell <laughs> her soul like, to the devil. Just, <laughs> she didn't sell her soul to the devil. Well, she goes. She down. made a deal, and like she the didn't. devil just. What? No, what 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 happens she, is she goes down to hell, and the devil goes. It, it go ahead, take over. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, just just I, just, I can't. You're, I don't know what to do now. You're you're good. You're 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 good. We're good. You, you do whatever you want to do. This your this your world. I'm just a squirrel. You want to you want to run it? I'll I'll step down. You're in charge. <laughs> She's probably like, nah, nah. It's time for my retirement. <laughs> Retire her jersey. <laughs> I feel like when she died, like the Grim Reaper walked up and was like, oh shit, not you. It's like, oh, crap. Wait, aren't you the chick that killed those three dudes at once? Or maybe he was like. Hey, I'm a big fan. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, you take my robes. I heard about that convent you burned down when you were like 15 years old. <laughs> it's like, so just like that was that was really impressive. I'm, I'm very like you're. I'm impressed by your work. It's real good. <laughs> I'm a huge, huge, huge fan, huge fan of both your music and your convent burning, <laughs> and and your massive death toll. Because <laughs> like, she like killed like. Tons of people. Jesus. She was like, because she would she dueled like all the time. So she probably killed and or maimed dozens of. What not, was what was her name? Her name was Julie Diab. Uh, oh, sorry, hold on, Julie Diabni. You spell that? Uh, hold on. It's ah crap. Where was it? Ah, there we go. So J U L I E. Uh, and D apostrophe A U. B I G N E Y. So they there's a book about her called Goddess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she was apparently like really, really famous in the opera. Like that's why people remember her because she was super famous in the opera scene. And because she basically, you know, gay married the most beautiful woman in France. <laughs> Like Ian said before, where's that movie? Yeah, right. <laughs> there apparently is a movie like that was made uh, some in Italy. Time, yeah, in Italy, some time ago about her life, but no, like called, It's called whatever this is. I'll share my screen. I think it's probably La Maupin or uh, mm, something or like Goddard that, or, or Goddard, Mademoiselle de Maupin or something. Ah, yes, Madame would... Madame Gela de Maupin. Yeah, Mademoiselle de Maupin. How you spell it? Pronounce that? I don't know. <laughs> I I feel I, like I, I don't know the, for sure that that's the name of the movie. I just know. No, that, that is name. the name of the movie. I'm showing you right now. Yeah. Oh. I I feel like there needs to be a, a Netflix series for this. Like something like I don't know Hulu, Netflix, HBO. Somebody get the rights to this. Movies available on uh, YouTube. That is that is a ripped copy. That is not a legal copy. Yeah, but that's probably the Italian movie, right? Yep. That's the only movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should make. They really need to make a live action movie of her. Nah, although I don't. Oh know wait, no. Yet. There was also a mini series in France. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Make this. She's like a national. She's a French treasure. She's a national hero in France. Ooh. Yeah, it looks good. Do you see it? You yeah. guys see it? Yeah. I'd watch that. I I, I seriously feel like Netflix or Hulu or somebody needs to jump on this and be like. 
I mean, yeah. ser- there there's a TV series about Casablanca starring or not Casablanca, uh, uh, Casanova. Sorry, there's a TV series about Casanova starring David Tennant. We got that. Why don't we get this? We should get this. Somebody should make this. You know who would be perfect to play her? David oh. Tennant. Yes. David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mary Rock. Cotillard, I think. <laughs> who? Say uh, Mary again. Oca- uh, Mary oh, Cotillard. Yeah, from, oh, uh, yeah. from, uh, yeah. from, uh, from, from the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah. Talia Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she, yeah, she would be good. Oh, you know who else would be good? Her or Ava Green? Ava Green. Um, yeah, yeah, Ava Green. Who are you going to say, Nathan? I forgot her name. I'm looking it up. What movie was she in? Uh, she's in Killing Eve. Uh, oh, I know Jodie Comer. Yeah. yeah. She was yeah. also in Rise of Skywalker. As who? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she would be amazing. I think she was in Rise of Skywalker as just like some... like She like was... Uh, she's Ray's mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because there was like a, like a quick scene of her parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before they got... God, the less said about that movie, the better. <laughs> I mean, like seriously, how do you make a movie where a major plot point of the movie is that this dude that died like six movies ago, or well, three movies ago, is, six movies if you count release order? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's dead, but he's still alive, and we find that out basically through Fortnite. How, how, yeah, and not only that, but they never explain how he came back. I think maybe they released a book afterwards that explains it, but they don't in the movie. Sure. They, no, they, it's like a throwaway line about how he in comes the back. opening crawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, there's like there's a throwaway line in the movie about it's like well the dark side. Oh yeah, where they reference the, the episode three, like they they somehow managed to ruin like one of the only good scenes from the prequels. They're like, oh yeah, we're gonna just shit all over that and make it bad now. <laughs> like, don't the prequels have it bad enough? You don't. Do you have to really ruin the one good part? I mean, this the is, prequels had to suffer through Jar Jar. Come on, man. This yeah. is why. This is why you pick J.J. Abrams to start a franchise, but you don't pick him not to, to finish it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. J.J. Abrams. They needed is the guy great. who directed Star Trek Beyond to come back and direct Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Who Justin Lin? I don't know who it is. The guy who did Fast. Somebody. Not J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Yeah. Like I see. Here's the thing. I was literally saying that. As soon as I heard J.J. Abrams was going to be coming back, mm-hmm. I was like, no, this is a bad idea. I was like, this is the most terrible. Like, And everybody was like, yay, J.J. is going to come back and fix everything after. Uh, after but there's Last nothing Jedi. to fix. Again, which I agreed with. I was like, Last Jedi was fine. Yeah. Move forward from there. Yeah. But no, everybody's like, no, go back to what was happening in, in uh, original. Uh, uh, Force Awakens. I was like, oh my god! They're like, JJ Abrams is back. He's gonna fix everything. I was like, watch. I was like, watch. I yeah. promise you, you're gonna hate this movie. No, the, <laughs> the problem with JJ Abrams is that he's a, he's a great pitcher. He's a great guy to go. Okay, here's what I'm gonna start you off with. Oh, I thought this, you meant like in baseball. He's no, no. Like JJ yeah. Abrams <laughs> will start something and be like, here's a bunch of vague, open ended ideas that are really cool, and then someone else needs to take those and develop them. He's yeah, not really yeah. great. Yeah, he's not great he's, at the second part. He's never effectively finished anything that he's worked on. No, like everything, every movie that he's done has had a really strong opening, and the follow throughs just not amazing. Uh, you like Force it, Awakens like, played to his strengths. <laughs> Like the only thing that he's ever worked on from start to finish was Felicity, and the ending of Felicity is basically the beginning of Felicity. Literally, like you don't don't just know that basically all the characters basically go back to exactly almost essentially where they were at the beginning of the series. There's not really any development whatsoever, and it's just like it's a completely unsatisfactory ending from all points considered. Hmm. And it's just like, I was like, that's what we have to look forward to with Rise of Skywalker. I promise you. And the end is the the end. Exactly. If he lives by it. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think that wraps it up, gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I like how we came back to that. Yep. We always come back to force uh, for Star Wars. Hey, it's kitty. Kitty. I'm gonna, 
Kitty, 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 kitty. I was going to tell a story about um, uh, a guy who broke out of prison with the help from his his uh, wife who had an uh, incredibly enormous rack, which was uh, which was part of how they actually escaped from prison. <laughs> but short, short, long story short, basically, they uh, had a friend come in with tools for them to escape from the prison, which the friend passed through the bars of the prison and the wife basically hid the tools in her enormous rack. <laughs> just like, okay. just like put the tools in the, like that. Like, yeah, she hit them in her cleavage. She hid two, she hit two <laughs> drills, a knife, a file. And, Oh God. Oh, there was, there was another thing. There's one other tool. Basically it's like, it shouldn't have been possible. And I'm like, how big, <laughs> Is her because of the strip searches are like yeah <laughs> like, this is why strip searches are a thing <laughs> and then they and then not only that but they had to squeeze through the bars to escape the the you know the, the walls of the prison so i'm like good god how did you get that woman through the bars <laughs> um, but apparently this guy's a national but apparently that guy's a national hero in england so i was just looking through like different countries like weird quirky stories of national heroes <laughs> and those were two that i came up with okay. but yeah 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 so uh i want to do something along the lines of uh, a similar thing in the future where uh there's a game that we can play uh which is basically uh i'll look up a story and i'll basically start describing it and have you guys fill in details as we go along like by guessing so like mad libs it was all a dream kind of it's like basically whoever whoever gets the closest to what the actual story like what the actual thing is would win i'll explain it better when i once i finally figured out but that's something that everybody's listening could look forward to because i think that'd be a fun game where we just go through different crazy quirky events throughout all of the world okay. so, so i think that'll be fun for us but for now this has been yet another episode of the jcu podcast and now ladies and gents you are all caught up i want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in you could be listening to any podcast in the world but you are listening to us and we appreciate that i want to thank our good friend nathan towns for our thieves please check out his website at nathantownscomposer.com and again, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, RSS feeds, Listen Notes, and, and what was the other? Anyway, no, uh, that's JCU Podcast on those services. You can find us on Twitch and YouTube as JCU Network. Uh, so please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell so you don't miss a new episode. Uh, so for myself, for the rest of the JCU crew, and also for Jim, who's not with us, pour one out. Uh, pour it out. Anyway, it's been our pleasure, our privilege, and our honor to be with you today. Uh, so remember, uh, don't touch your face, wash your hands, and also wear your mask. Uh, smack these curves, you guys. This is us signing out. Peace.